Good morning, everyone. These are very unusual circumstances. Um, this morning, bringing a message to you that's airing on Sunday morning, March 22nd at 10.30. Usually at this time, the church is full of people, but it's just me and uh, our camera guy today, who's Graham Stewart, and of course, the Holy Spirit and the presence of Jesus. Uh, the presence of God is with us today. So I, I trust that as I bring you this message in a very critical time of our history, a very unusual time in our history, that it will help to give you a godly biblical perspective on some things that are happening. Uh, let's begin with prayer. Lord, we come to you today with humble hearts. And we realize just how quickly things can change in this world. We realize just even for Christians as the church, we can be going along from day to day with our lives and it just seems as if uh, things are normal. But then suddenly a pandemic strikes and even as believers, we can be taken off guard and even very unsure of ourselves in a time like this. So I pray, Lord, that through the word of God today and through the presence of your Holy Spirit, there would come comfort and strength. There would come faith instead of fear, hope instead of discouragement or despair. And Lord, whatever is negative, we just pray, Lord, that you would uh, just take that away from our thinking, from our, our whole outlook, and give us the perspectives of God in this very, very unusual time. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as you know, it's the uh, COVID-19 pandemic that causes us to meet in such an unusual way this morning. Now, a, a pandemic is a global outbreak of disease. The word pan means everywhere. Pandemic is a disease that covers the whole earth or almost all of the earth. If it uh, just was localized in a region or in a few regions, it would be called an epidemic. But this, this is much more than that. Uh, people might have thought of it that way when it first came to China, but uh, no more. We see just how it's covered the whole earth and how there's a lot of uncertainty and fear associated with it. Now, in the Bible, the Bible doesn't refer to pandemics or epidemics. It refers to plagues and uh, or pestilences. And throughout the Bible, uh, there were plagues that happened, such as the plagues in the book of Exodus, the ten plagues that caused Pharaoh to finally uh, let the people of Israel go and to be reestablished in their own in their own homeland according to the purposes of God. So the plagues of Egypt are very interesting to study because we see similarities to the behavior of people and the understanding of people in those days and the understanding that people have today. In fact, even the people of God, uh, the, the nation of Israel, whenever things weren't going really very well for them after they left Egypt, they lamented and said, we wish we, Moses, that you would take us back there because we were better off there than we are here. So they really did not have the kind of worldview where they saw God in charge of everything. Well, in the book of Revelation, of course, there's a description of several uh, plagues 
In fact, there's a, a comparison that, that could be drawn between the plagues of Egypt and the plagues of, of the book of Revelation. And all of these are actually judgments that are bringing about the purposes of God in the earth. And it's important for us to understand them. And in fact, uh, maybe in the days to come on the Sunday morning sessions, I will talk more about that. One of the things that is so um, much a concern is fear and how people are so afraid of their own health and their own lives. Uh, Could I die from this? Especially if you're someone my age uh, or older. Could I die? Could somebody else die? And so we, we think about these things and that can create a lot of fear. Uh, others can fear about the collapse of the stock market or the economy and how are the governments going to actually fund the recovery. Um, first of all, the arrest of this pandemic and then the recovery of, of our, the nations of the world. And so there's a lot of things that people are afraid of. Interestingly, this morning, uh, uh, I, I've been, in fact, I've reflected on this several times this week. Betty Zentner, who last week would Last Sunday was our last Sunday to have uh, the church gather in the sanctuary here. But when she took the class downstairs, and that would have been the ages from 7 to 11, in that age group, there were a lot of questions about this very strange thing called the uh, COVID-19. And I don't know if that's the expression they used or the virus or the sickness that's going around, but... They, they wanted their questions asked about that. And Betty said that one of the things they asked about the most was heaven. Tell us about heaven. I was very interested to hear that. And the questions that children have about heaven in the context of this present crisis that the world is in. Well, fear can grip the hearts of people and it can make you think about heaven and question heaven and want to know more about heaven, or it can just make you plumb scared. I remember, I'm not sure if it was 1952 or 1953, so that's going back quite a few years ago. I was just a lad of either five or six years old. And uh, in those two years, I went to a school in Kitchener, Ontario, called the Margaret Avenue School, named for the street that it was on, on Margaret Avenue. Now, at that time, to the best of my recollection, I don't believe I had ever seen a television screen or any kind of movie or film. If, If I had, I have no recollection of it. But... The school decided they were going to bring the entire student body into an auditorium and they were going to show a film about what you do if the building you're in catches on fire. Now, in my memory, it was extremely graphic. The flames and the terror on people's faces and uh, the, the ladders coming up from the fire trucks and people in the windows trying to escape. And this, I had never seen anything like that before. I, I went home and for weeks, and I don't know how many weeks, it might have even been months, every night I had nightmares about what I had seen. I was just very, very, very terrorized 
by the horror of this picture of people trying to escape a fire and firemen trying to put it out. And as I say, if you showed that film to children six years old today, they might not even uh, been even a part, uh, close to being uh, even a small percentage of uh, experiencing a, a smallest percentage of fear that I feared. But fear can grip you and it can keep you up at night, as it did for me way back then. It can cause you to think about eternity, about life and about death. And am I ready to die? And, and uh, what about my loved ones? What about my wife, my husband? And you certainly think that if you're older. And what would happen if my wife died or my husband died? And, and my children come, couldn't come to see me in the hospital. And children think those things as well. So it's a time where people are afraid. Well, uh, we are starting a prayer line here in our church on Monday morning at at uh, 9 o'clock, and it's going to be a 24-7 prayer, prayer line. There's a fella, telephone, a designated telephone. You can pick up the number by simply going on the uh, our church website, and uh, you can call about anything that you are uh, just want prayer for. It could be that you're afraid, like I was just mentioning. It could be that you are concerned that you might have some of the symptoms of um, COVID uh, virus, and uh, or there might be something else, some, a friend that is desperately sick. And uh, so you can be, whatever the need is, and this isn't just for our church family, our church family can call in, but this is for anyone who wants to have prayer. It's interesting to me that in all of the, all of the talk that's going on, at our televisions, radios, and uh, in public, and people are talking about what they can do, and can we, can we, do we have enough masks or medical equipment, and how can we get more? And, and so these, of course, are very legitimate concerns and uh, very valid reasons for conversation. But I don't hear anybody, at least not in media, talking about prayer and seeking God and finding out from the Lord what it is that uh, we should be doing in these very unusual times. And, and with that in mind, I, I want to make a, a, a statement to you that is very, very uh, significant. And that statement is simply this. The future is in the hands of God. Let me say that again. The future is in the hands of God. And we might think that we have control over things, and to a degree, of course, we do. But in the larger picture of things, it all belongs to him, both now and for eternity. And uh, we, we tend to focus on the needs of the now, and uh, they certainly are great at this present time. But what about eternity? Do we think about that very much and very often? Well, um, let me just say it again. And this way I'll put it, this time I'll put it a little different. Your future is in the hands of God, both now and for eternity. And uh, we're going to go through a passage of Scripture that uh, really points that out. Now, uh, in saying that, I want to also mention I'm going to read, uh, if you have a Bible with you, I'm going to read 2 Peter uh, chapter 3. And I'm going to read the whole chapter. Um, and we will uh, th then come back and look at it 
by dissecting a few of the specific verses. But back in the days of Isaiah, the prophet of the Old Testament, the nation of Israel had been taken captive. They had been uh, abducted basically as a whole nation and taken to Babylon. And they were living in very poor conditions, especially compared to the life they had enjoyed before they were uh, overrun by the Babylonian army and taken away from their land to a strange land. And Isaiah was looking at this and he was trying to figure out, God, why did you let this happen? Why did you let such a calamity happen to your people? Because they are, after all, your chosen people through whom you've decided to to demonstrate your love and your blessing to the whole world. And here, Lord, you've taken them, you've allowed them to be taken captive. What's up? And we often ask those questions. God, where are you? Why aren't you more present, more visibly present? And in contemplating all of this, in Isaiah chapter 45, verse 15, there's a very unusual verse, but it's an important verse. Isaiah said, truly, you are a God who has been hiding himself, the God and Savior of Israel. God, you've been hiding. And and yet you are the God of our nation and the Savior of our nation. So why? Why have you been hiding? Now, actually, what he was saying was that God was hiding or not revealing his whole intents and purposes that one day and not too far away for them at that period of time would be understood by the nation of Israel. God was going to cause there to be a restoration, but it was predicated upon the people recognizing that the reason that they had been taken into captivity was due to the fact that they had ignored him, they had betrayed him, they had started to practice so many different sins and evils that God had strictly forbidden. And so they they just ignored him. And so he permitted this to happen in order to bring them to their senses. And uh, he hadn't abandoned them. He was still their God. He was still their Savior. And he was going to reveal himself to them in a more fuller, uh, in a greater disclosure than what they understood at the time. So that's what Isaiah said, uh, meant when he said, God, you are a God who's hiding yourself. Well, let me say, when we look at the world today and we see uh, all of the things, not just the uh, COVID-19 pandemic, but other things, the poverty in the world, the war in the world, the uh, children who starve and are deprived and so many immigrants who are trying to escape places where they are terrorized or and yet not always welcome in countries. And all of these things are of great concern. And we say, God, are you out there? Well, uh, the scripture we're going to read is helps us. Second Peter chapter three, uh, 2, verse 3. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I think what I'll do is just stop there. So there's two letters that Peter wrote. 
obviously, First Peter, and the next one was Second Peter. And this is his second book. And he's saying, the reason I'm writing you, the things I'm uh, saying in my letters, is to cause your thinking to be stimulated in order that it might be wholesome. So wholesome thinking versus unwholesome thinking. What are the distinctions? What causes one to be what it is and the other to be what it is? Well, unwholesome thinking can be just, well, it can be thinking about things that are evil or sinful or uh, that type of thing. Or it can just be, in the, and especially in the context of what he's saying here, it's just about unwholesome thinking about God, about whether he really is in control. And so that's what he wants to, to uh, change. And I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that he's wanting to do the same for us. He wants us to be reminded of what the scriptures are saying and to get involved in reading the Bible and to have our thoughts, our minds adjusted from things that are defeatist, uh, that which is discouraging and fear-based and, and cause us to have a different outlook. Well, he goes on and says, I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord Jesus through your apostles. So here he's talking about I want a kind of a, a really understanding the whole scope of the Bible. He said, I want you to understand what the prophet said. So that's Old Testament. And I want you to understand what Jesus said and what his apostles have said since he's left. And so that's New Testament. And he's bringing the two together to show that there really is a unity between the message of the Old Testament and that of the New Testament. They aren't two completely separate entities that really don't connect in any kind of significant way. Quite to the contrary, they are really an integrated story to tell the story of God's purpose on the world, in the world. And above all, he says, you must understand. So notice the, the strength of his, his language. He says, first of all, I want to stimulate you. And now he's moving on to, to a, a, an imperative. You must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. And they will say, where is this coming, he promised, referring to the coming of Jesus. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Uh, well, that's a, an argument that certainly is, is, has, has always been made by people who don't uh, believe in uh, the coming of Christ, because that's what he's speak, speaking about specifically here. Uh, so things have always been, are as they've always been. Um, and, and though there are variations in, in clim uh, climate and, uh, you know, weather patterns or uh, through the cultures and the times, uh, the understanding, and of course, things and knowledge and, and science increases and there's all of it. But fundamentally, when it comes to understanding faith in God and the purposes of God, uh, you know, it's just always been this way. So this talk about the second coming of Christ is really just a fable. It's just really not true. And more than that, the person of Christ, the person of Jesus, who he is, just a historical figure, a good man, a man who died as a martyr, or 
uh, people have different ideas about him. Uh, a prophet similar to other prophets or religious leaders started a religion that really is no, no different in essence than other religions? Or is he who he said he was? That he was God who came in the flesh because a world, the world in which we live then and now, has been so messed up, has been so full of chaos and disruption. And so there's always been these ongoing things that are, well, good things, but at the same time very sinful or bad and evil things. And it's just like that. It's always been like that. It always will be like that. Now, Peter is writing to a group of people, they're Christians, and they're referred to as the diaspora, which means the scattered. These are people who, because of their faith and confidence in Christ, they believe in who he was, that he is the son of God who first was incarnate as a little baby in a major, God with us. And then he lived his life, his short life. He ministered for three years. And that culminated in his death and then his resurrection and then his ascension and the descent of the Holy Spirit. And you had these people who, at the time of Peter, most of them had not been literally there when this happened. This message, by the time they received it, had come to them word of mouth, but they were so convinced of its validity, most likely because of how convinced those who shared it with them were of its validity, and not only that, but the, the revelation of the Holy Spirit who illumines to any one of us the truth of God's word and the truth of who Jesus is. As they, as they came to faith in Christ, they were persecuted. They lost their lives, many of them. They were forced to leave their homes and to flee to other parts of the Roman Empire to escape the persecution that they were in one place to try to live somewhere else for fear of their lives. Well, it would be pretty easy uh, for someone to come along and say, hey, do you really think this is all worth it? Uh, you've given up everything, your job, your career, your, your, your property, your house, everything, and you just escape with the clothes on your back and with your family, you've been scattered, and here you are, so many hundreds of kilometers or miles away from your home. Uh, and you know what? It's all for nothing when it's all said and done. <laughs> Where is the promise of his coming? If what you are convinced of as being absolute truth, show me the evidence. He hasn't come. You say he is coming, but uh, I don't see it. And so some of them would have been tempted to maybe reflect to themselves and say, oh, maybe they're right. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe I've been brainwashed. Maybe I just, I just let myself believe something. And, and so that's why Peter's writing this letter. He said, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come. And so now he's referring to this uh, phrase, last days. And it's, found, and it's found throughout the scriptures. We think of the day of Pentecost, whenever the Holy Spirit descended and people who were Galileans and had never learned all the languages of the Roman Empire, 
there they were speaking in languages they had never learned, 16 languages in all. And Peter got up and he said, I want you to understand that this is that which was what you're seeing is what the prophet Joel prophesied about or announced would come. In the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And that's what you're seeing here. And so even back in the book of Acts, the time period for that phenomenon that would still apply to what Peter was writing here and still applies to us today is that we're living in the last days. So you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come and say, where's the promise of, your, of, of his coming? Now, here's what he goes on to say. But they, that is the scoffers, deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being, and the earth was formed out of water and by water. And by these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. Now, he's referring to the time of Noah, uh, where the flood came, and and it, it caused the then known world to, to basically be judged and, and be removed from this planet. They died. So why did God do that? How could God be seen as a loving, caring God and then just because uh, he's angry or upset with people, if you want to think of it that way, he just simply wiped them out? Well, if you see it just in that narrow understanding, you miss the fact that for 120 years, Noah, who's referred to as a preacher of righteousness, by that it means he preaches the right way to live, the right way to have a relationship with God. He was preaching the love of God and the grace of God and how God had created them. And we're not just here accidentally, but God has a purpose. God calls us to be restored to that which we lost when he first created us, and our parents then caused that to be lost through sin. But God didn't give up. and That's what the whole story of the Bible really is. It's the story of God's divine purpose in holding your future and mine and the future of the world in his hands, not just for now but for eternity, and to bring about his purposes. And in the New Testament, the Bible says that God doesn't want anybody to perish. That's, he takes no pleasure in that. But for all to come to repentance. And that's what Noah preached. He said, you just can't go on living like this, hurting people and murdering and uh, abusing your families and, and your wives and all of the, the things that they did that was not different so much than what people do today. But 120 years, Noah came and then it was over. They had heard it for so long, but now the time had come. The end had come, and now it was too late for them. And so, so Peter is using that story to present to us the reality of our present time. And it's been the reality of any and every time that we just can't go on living life apart from the decree will of God and just doing what we want. But God has a purpose for us, and he, he draws us to himself. And, and 
often, in, in fact, I'm, I don't know what the percentage of people would be, but there would be a lot of people who are not even aware of some of these scriptures or some of what the Bible teaches about the second coming of Christ. And if they are, they really don't really uh, believe it, at least not fully. And then he says, by the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. So that what, what happened in the days of Noah and that judgment was not a one-of phenomenon. It's happened, going to happen again. And, it, and uh, there, there's coming a judgment. And as he says here, the destruction of the ungodly. Why? Does God hate people who don't obey him? No, absolutely not. And that's why Jesus came. And that's why these last days that Peter talked about when over 2,000 years ago when the Holy Spirit descended on the church in Jerusalem or caused the descended on the followers of Jesus and from that the church was born. Those were the last days, and they're still the last days. Why? Why didn't God just say enough? And the reason is he still has a purpose to accomplish. He still cares for the hearts and lives of people. His heart bleeds for the, the losses that people sustain, for uh, people right now who can't be with their loved ones when they're dying because of the fear of spreading the the virus. And and just all of the suffering and pain that people experience, God is there and he cares. Uh, people say, well, where was God when this happened? And where was God when that happened? And the Bible tells us that God was in Christ Jesus, reconciling the world to himself. So every so, where was God when a person dies because of the of the virus or for some other tragedy or just simply passes away? Well, God is there. He's in Christ and He cares. And Christ is here through His Holy Spirit. These are things that uh, Peter is is pressing in upon the the people of his time. He's saying you must understand these things. Uh, they're reserved for judgment of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing. So you must understand and don't forget. These are the, the commands, if you will, or the, the um, strong assertions of Peter. He, say, he says this, Dear friends, with the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. And the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slow, slowness, but instead he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Well, why does God not answer us when we think? Uh, well, if we could understand it as Isaiah did, it's not, Lord, that you don't care or that you're distant or not involved. It's just that you're hiding your full purposes because there's something else you're trying to do. And so, as Peter says, the Lord said he would return. The Lord said he would come back. All through the scriptures, both Old and New Testament, in the Old Testament, they prophesy his first advent and his second coming. 
In the New Testament, it describes that first advent and time and time again repeats the assurance that this world is just not out of control. It's in the control of God Almighty. And one day Jesus will come and things as they are will not be that way anymore. Well, what is, why is he patient? Why does he seem distant? Why do you wonder sometimes in your own life why he just isn't answering? Well, God is constantly drawing us to himself. And if you're a believer, he's still drawing you to himself, a closer relationship, a, cl- a clearer understanding, a, a, a greater grip on the promises and the purposes of God for you and for the world in which we live in. And for a person who doesn't believe, He's calling you to a change of thinking, a change of mind, a change of direction. And that's basically what repentance means. It's not expressing all kinds of sorrows for your sin. Oh, God, please don't kill me for this or don't kill me for that. Listen, all that's taken care of. Jesus died on the cross to take away all of that. He was wounded for your transgressions, and that's your violations of the laws of God, and for mine as well. And so that's been looked after. You don't, you're not dealing with a God who hates you, but a God who is drawing you into his embrace through his love because he's patiently longed for that day when you will and he will really connect in the fullness of his purposes and in his love. And then he goes on to say, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. It won't, people won't really be thinking about it. Right now we're thinking about the coronavirus. Uh, uh, what are we going to do to stop it? And our focus is there. And so am I saying he's coming right now through this time? No, I'm not. I don't know when he's coming. There could be so much more that this world will experience. But I'm just saying that whatever the times, be they good or bad, that the Lord will come, and most of the world won't be expecting it. They will be unaware of it, and so it'll be coming. He'll be coming like a thief, and it's like, oh, you don't realize until he's come that he's come. And it says the heavens will disappear with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. And then he goes on to say, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, We are looking toward a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. (laughs) Wow. This, we're sojourning here. We're pilgrims. This is not where we have our citizenship and our home. You might have property. I have property. I have a house here in New Glasgow, but uh, that's really not what it's all about. It's not the accumulation of things or how big our bank accounts can be, or how we prepare for the future in terms of retirement. That is so minuscule in importance when it comes to the greater picture, and that is a new heaven and a new earth. 
And I pray that today, for every person here who is a follower of Jesus, that your heart will be encouraged, that you'll not have an outlook of fear or doubt or uncertainty, but your heart will be filled with hope and and excitement. Uh, The coming of the Lord is much nearer now than it ever was. And it's important for us to be ready. Um, For a person who is not a believer in Jesus, and maybe these days in which we live are causing you to really think about faith. Maybe one day you were, uh, you did go to Sunday school. You did, you, you even might have went to church. You might have been an adult who was active in church. And then, well, just things happen. Life happens and you're just not there anymore. It's been a long time since you've, spoken with the Lord in a personal, uh, connected relationship. And you might think, oh boy, this is a time to change that. Well, you're right. It is. And I pray God will, by his spirit, help you to do that today. If you need to call us, by all means do. Uh, At the end of this program, we're going to post that prayer line number so that you'll know um, what that number is. In the meantime, it's it's going to be ready and available at nine o'clock Monday morning. That's just tomorrow in terms of the time this program is being uh, 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 sent out over the internet. Uh, but right now, right here today, you don't have to wait to talk to somebody on the phone or, or talk to anybody really. You can talk to the Lord right now. And so I'm going to do that. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask you to join me. Lord God, we thank you for the precious teaching of the Word of God, the Bible, and how it is really one story. It's not Old Testament and New Testament, but the Old Testament points to Jesus, and the New Testament reveals him in all of who he is, and Lord, in all that you've done for us. And I pray today that the heart of every follower of Jesus will be encouraged and inspired to serve the Lord with gladness and to not be filled with fear, but to be filled with joy. We will quite likely be past this pandemic someday soon. And Lord, I pray that we won't lose. In fact, our our, our grow, we will grow in the excitement and the prospect of the day that you will return. And I pray, Lord, for those that just within their own hearts know they're, they're not ready for that day, that even now by your spirit, uh, they will just simply ask you. In fact, if you just simply pray this simple prayer, dear Jesus, I thank you love me. I thank you that you love me and that you died for me. And today, I turn away from the things and my attitudes and the way I've been living and I turn towards you and I accept you and the gift of salvation that you provide. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. You say, is it really that simple? Well, yes, it is. You just call upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says, and you're saved. Uh, That's really what it takes. That's the beginning point. It's like being born into this world as a little baby, and now there's your life to live. And uh, it's um, now your life to live in following Christ. I just want to uh, mention this to uh, to those of you that, would ha- that have children. 
uh, that are wondering about what's happening. Why is school closing? Will it not open up again? And will the summer camps be closed? And our camp this past week for children and teens had to be closed. And why did it have to be closed? And all of these, all of these questions that they have. One of the things that I suggest you do is take this passage of scripture that we read today and read it to your children and take the time to explain every verse and uh, just walk them through. And uh, there's so many resources right now, media. We have right now media that we subscribe to in the church that is full of children's Bible teaching. There's so much that's a tremendous resource uh, for yourself as a Christian. and uh, if there's a if, if your child has a question and you don't know how they, you don't know how to answer them, uh, tell them they can call me. I'll be happy to talk to them. I just love speaking with children, and not just me. I'm sure the Sunday school teachers or others in the church would do that as well. So God bless you. And uh, next Sunday we will do this again. In the meantime, uh, there are programs. Uh, there are. Uh, that are on our website on facebook there are messages that are being prepared and sent out by uh, joanna goodine and ferris solomon and you can pick them up there Um, we are also going to be starting new alpha groups and if you don't know what alpha is it's um it's about life's questions that people ask and kinds of questions like is there god does he care for me and uh, what's my future? And, and uh, it's it's something that's used by many, many churches around the world. I know right here in town, two or three of the Catholic churches uh, are using Alpha. It's, it's a program for people of faith, and uh, you can join. And we're also going to uh, be able to set up some chat lines. I don't know if you've heard of Zoom, but possibly through that means. And so we can, though not physically present, still be connected. And we invite you to be a part of that. So God bless you and God keep you. Make his face shine upon you, give you peace, give you rest, give you joy, and fill your hearts with faith, hope, and love. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.